Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 403 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, recording this for you from the past and into the future. Today, I am so pleased that I'm talking to Rachel Harrison. Um, and it wasn't until I said her name on the show when I was talking to her that I realized it sounds very much like Rachel Heron, Rachel Harrison. So it's a really fun episode. We talk about using reality TV as an actual tool, which I was uh, overcome with delight to chat about. So that is coming up. A wonderful episode. So do not miss the uh, the interview portion. What's been going on around here? We're still talking about these uh, these fears and these worries that many writers have around writing. And today we're just going to talk about one of the ones that was the most named in that writer's survey that I did. It is lack of confidence, not believing in your abilities, not believing that you have what it takes to be a writer, not knowing if you have what it takes to be a writer. And not knowing if anyone will ever want to read what you are writing. I like to talk about this one because it is so universal. It is 100% universal. There is not a writer who does not feel like this a lot, not a little bit, but a lot. Well, there probably are like one or two writers who don't feel like this. And um, I don't know how they are human. And also they might not be very nice. It is natural for us to doubt our own abilities, especially if we're feeling like our reach is just exceeding our grasp a little bit, which I believe as writers, we should be doing. We should be writing first drafts that feel too ambitious, that we fail to write well. If I write something on a first draft that is awesome, then what was the point? I'm writing something that I absolutely understand inside and out. Therefore, I'll be bored writing it and it won't be interesting to the reader, I believe. I believe that as we revise our writing, that's what makes it interesting and different and unique. And that's where we put in curves and turns that surprise the reader because they surprise us as we revise our way into what our project, our story or our novel or our memoir, what it actually wants to be. It is normal to not believe in our abilities and we do not have to. That's the actual lovely truth. You cannot wait until you believe in yourself to write because that day will never come and you will never write your book or your next book. You also cannot wait until you develop an idea that you think other people will want to read because that day will also not come. You might have five minutes at a time where you feel like, oh yeah, no, no, I got it. I got it. I got the idea. This is the one. This is the one that people are going to want to read and I can't wait to write it. And then the next day or the next week, the same thoughts that don't belong to anything except that internal critic that we all hear will say, no one wants to read this or it's been done better by a hundred different people this year. No one wants to read your version. So you cannot and you must not wait until you feel that you have an idea that somebody will want to read because that feeling will go away and leave you in the lurch and then you will not want to complete your project. 
we have to learn how to get a little bit more comfortable with the discomfort of not believing we're good enough writers and writing anyway, and also not believing anyone will want to read this work and writing anyway. For me, what it comes down to is this belief that I have instilled over the years that there is at least one other person who is very much like me out there in the world, and she's waiting for what I'm writing. It's basically me in a different body. There has, there's so many people on the planet. There has to be somebody with my sensibilities and my sense of humor and my sense of love and joy who's out there waiting to receive this book. So I'm basically writing it for myself. I am doing the old cliche standard, write the book that you want to read, write the book that you want to find on the shelf that you would be so excited. You would pick it up off the shelf and you would read the back cover and you go, oh my God, I'm not even looking at the first page. I'm going to rush to the front register and purchase this right now because obviously this writer wrote this for me. You're writing it for yourself and you are not waiting until you believe that you're good enough to do it because you are good enough to do it. You're good enough to do a crappy job and then your revision brain will kick in. And even if you've never revised before, you can learn how to do revision revision and make the book better, make it into what it wants to be. So um, I hope that helps a little bit. It's a tiny bit of a pep talk that I continually have to give myself because we all feel this way. We all lack the confidence and it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't feel good, but it doesn't matter and you can't fix it. So don't try. Show up at the page, do some crappy writing. No one's asking you to believe in your abilities or in this story. The only thing you're asking yourself is to live up to your hope for yourself that you are a writer. Don't have to be a good writer, just have to be a writer. And writers write. They show up and they get a little bit done, even if it's just five minutes at a time, 15 minutes at a time. I've written at least two books. I always say at least because I think there might have been a third one that I wrote in 15 minute chunks because I couldn't. I didn't have the time and I also didn't have the mental health at that point to write more than 15 minutes at a time. And whole books that were traditionally published and that I'm proud of were written that way. So um, I didn't have the confidence in myself at all. The only thing I knew I could do was write for 15 minutes. I could write terrible crappy words for 15 minutes. So um, that's I know that you can do that too. All right. This is our last day of me telling you that... I'm looking at the future calendar here, that um, 90 day, ninety days to done, my masterclass, where I take a group of writers through the entire, the entire job of writing their book. And I work with writers who have never written since grade school. And I work with writers who have 15 or 30 traditionally published books under their belt. Doesn't matter where you are in your process, 90 days to done will walk you through writing or finishing the book that you've been struggling with. I would love to have you. I hope there's a slot or two open. Uh, and I don't know if there is because I'm recording this on December 6th and you're hearing it on December 29th probably or thereabouts. Um, if you are hearing this before January 2nd, you can go check. After January 2nd, the classes have started. So we don't we, we do not I can't let people in after the classes start because we start with a bang. We start with a lot of information. Um, so if you're interested in that, rachelherron.com slash 90 days to done. And I don't know if Revision has any slots open. It probably does not, but it's always worth a, a check if you are interested in me taking you through a revision of your entire book 
It is the hardest thing you'll ever do with your book and it is the best thing. And I absolutely love taking people through the process because I absolutely love writers who tell me at the beginning of class, Rachel, I hate revision. I don't know how to do it. And I don't think I'll ever like it. I will always hate it. And in fact, Rachel, I have some revision chops. I've done this before and I've always hated it. And then at the end of the class, the people who hate it the most are always the people who come back and say, um, you're right. I love it now. It's my favorite thing to do. And I get to, I never say I told you so because that's mean. I don't know if it's mean. It's a pleasurable feeling. I think it in my head. And oftentimes I say, I'm so glad. Yes, we talked about the fact that you might like it. Um, But in my head, I'm thinking, yes, it's always the ones who hate it the most who end up loving it the most, honestly. Um, But that is 90-day revision. And you can check to see if that's open over at rachelherron.com slash revision. I kind of like this method of putting out information about my classes with absolutely no stress or worry of either that it is sold out immediately or that there are spaces that I should be trying to fill. I have no control over it. I am relinquishing control entirely. And you can check out to see if there's anything available at revision at rachelherron.com slash revision. You got to spell Rachel and Heron correctly, but poke around. You'll find it. Do a Google. It'll come up. I have one last testimony. Oh, not a testimony. Jesus is not a revival. I have one last testimonial to play you right now, and then we are going to jump into the interview with Rachel Harrison, who is the national bestselling author of Black Sheep, Such Sharp Teeth, Cackle, oh my gosh, that's such a great title, and The Return, which was nominated for a Bram Stoker Award for Superior Achievement in a First Novel. Her short fiction has appeared in Guernica, Electric Literature's Recommended Reading as an Audible Original, and in her debut story collection, Bad Dolls. She lives in Western New York with her husband and their cat, Overlord. All right, get some writing done. Come find me. I'll be back in real time next week. And thanks for being here. Thanks for spending this year allowing me to speak into your ear about writing, which is what I love to do so much. And um, probably next week or the week after that, we'll be talking money. I like to tell you what I made. I have no idea if I made more or less than I did last year. I think I made less, Um, but I have not added that up yet. And uh, today I'm going to go pay some New Zealand taxes, which makes me very happy. I love paying taxes to New Zealand. On that note, enjoy this interview and we will talk soon, my friends. I'm Veronica Wolf. I have a traditionally published background, but after 15 books, I hit a wall. I've taken three of Rachel's classes so far, and each one has given me community, support, accountability, and best of all, Rachel's amazing wisdom and advice. With her help and guidance, I'm re-energized, back on track, and once again joyful in my creative process. I can't praise her program highly enough. Well, I am so pleased to welcome you to the show today. Will you please share your name and pronouns with us? Rachel Harrison, she, her. I just realized when you said it out loud, it's very close to Rachel Heron, Rachel Harrison. We are yeah. saying the first three syllables of our names all the time Basically the same the way. Same. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about your writing. You have a bunch of books out. You get a lot done. You must have systematized this for yourself over the years, or perhaps you have a chaotic system that works. Would you tell us about it? Oh no, I'm a Virgo. So I need, I need, I <laughs> do not thrive in chaos. I, yes. <laughs> um, so currently I've always found that I write best in the morning. So I usually get up around 6am. 
uh, on weekdays, weekends, maybe I'll sleep in a little bit later. Um, just try and get words down every day. Weekdays, um, I'm writing full-time now, so I basically treat it like a full-time job. And so I will write throughout the morning, take a break for lunch, write in the afternoon, and then evenings. If I'm not on a deadline evenings, I typically take off. Um, And when I was working full-time, my first two books, The Return and Cackle, I wrote while I was um, an executive assistant. And so I would have to get up at like 4.30 in the morning to get words down, go to work. And then sometimes in the evening between eight and nine, I would write again. Um, when I so, had a, a day job, I did the same thing. I got up at, at four-ish just to get like 45 minutes before I would go to work. And But it's, it's astonishing how much you can fit in in that time, right? Yes, it's the world is quiet. There aren't many distractions. And I just find if you can motivate yourself to get up that early, you can motivate yourself to to get the words down. And then the rest of the day feels amazing because you've already accomplished something. That is, And you said the magic there that the um, if you can motivate yourself to get out of bed. For me, if I didn't think when the alarm went off, if I just swung my feet on the floor and pushed myself up into standing, by the time I was standing, I can do this. Yeah. But if I took two seconds to think, should I hit this news? Then I then I would not going to get up. Did you find yes. something similar? Yeah. And I actually, I find it, um, I don't know, it's difficult because your, your body changes as you get older and you go through different phases. And I find that I struggle to get up more now in the morning than I did back then. So it is hard. It's always, it's always a struggle to get out of bed in the morning. (laughs) Kidding. It's, it's hard to wake up in the morning. Um, so some, you know, seasons of life, 4.30 AM could work and some seasons of life has to be six (laughs) to work. But for me, finding a routine is very important just to, if I slip into a routine, it's better for me versus if one day I sleep in till nine because I'm tired and the next day I can motivate myself. It still doesn't matter. I need the the structure and the routine and the habit. Speaking of the Virgo tendencies, what does your plotting look like? Are you a plotter? Are you a planner in the in the books as well as the other parts of life? Or are you a discovery writer? I'm more discovery. I wish I was more of a plotter. Uh, I have tried to, usually I know where it's going. I have a vision for the book when I sit down to write it. I've tried to do beat for beat outlines and it's just difficult for me to stick to those outlines. I write very close first person. So usually I'm in the head of the protagonist and I want to discover some things as they discover them. So it's sort of a mix of both. I wish I was more of a plotter because I run into issues then when I finish the book and I'm like, oh, well, this should have happened or this should have happened. But sometimes it's a, you can always go back and weave things through once the draft is down. So I find there's a little bit more magic comes through when I wing it a little bit. Yeah. I, I like that very, very much. What, when you're when you're 
on the job and working on the page, what is the biggest challenge you run into with writing? I think the biggest challenge would be off the page. When I'm alone in my own little world and writing, even if I hit a point that doesn't feel right or come across a problem, I still feel in control of everything. It's everything that I don't have control over that (laughs) bothers me, that seeps in, especially now because I have books out in the world, you get feedback and publishing is a business. And so getting in my own head about those things or self-doubt is a huge one. If it's if I'm alone in my world writing and everything, then I everything is great. <laughs> and mm-hmm. any thing that, you know, I, I wouldn't say challenge, but anything that comes up in the book that's not working or that it doesn't feel right, it doesn't, it feels fun. It feels like fun problem solving. Yeah. But it's the external things that cause cause some some heartache. I just kind of had a had a flash on something that might feel relevant for me in that, you know, I have tattoos and tattoos don't hurt to me because I'm choosing the pain. Like that's yes. I'm choosing to pay a lot of money to get yeah. that pain applied to my body. And it feels the same way perhaps with writing that you're saying, like we're choosing to do it. That's where we want to be. Those problems are okay because we're we chose them. We're handling them. We we break it and then we fix it. Whereas the stuff outside just comes. So how do you how do you protect yourself when you are feeling that self-doubt? What do you have any tools or systems that you've set up to get yourself back to the page? I've found having writer friends is has been a a save like a total lifesaver. I have a, a group of friends that I've connected with that I can talk to, that I can vent to, and it's a safe, safe space to, to express those doubts and to get some reassurance. And I find it's way more helpful to speak to other writers because they can understand, whereas some friends, family, if you're venting about certain things, they might, for as well-intentioned as they might be, they don't understand the tricky nuance of it. Yeah. So having other writers who get it, who can just be there and listen, has been extremely helpful. And to, to you know, have some cheer- cheerleaders yeah. that... Um, a support system, support network, I think has been crucial for me. Where did you collect the current group of writing friends? Where did you find them? Um, for the most part, Twitter, which is yeah. well, it's it's a, kind of sad because now it's um, horrible. that platform <laughs> is a terrible place. But the, yeah. the community will find other places to be. Are you, on, threads, are you on Blue Sky yet? I have Blue Sky, I have Threads, I'm trying to um, build up those communities. But I also think a lot of those friendships came from sort of just shooting my shot. And I think Mm. I I tend to be shy or think, you know, no one wants to talk to me. What? Or if I loved a book, being like, well, 
I don't, I don't want to bother the person to tell them just message people. This is my best advice to anyone who's looking for community. If you read someone's book and you like it and you feel like you connected with it and with that, with that author, send them a message. You'll never know what'll happen. And Mm -hmm. even if you're saying, I'm looking for community, I'm looking for advice, they might be able to provide that for you. Yeah. So it's always worth it to just, and maybe they won't be your people and it'll just be a nice interaction and then you'll go somewhere else and find your people. So um, I, I have to tell myself this all the time, which is like, you have to shoot your shot. (laughs) You have to try, you have to put yourself out there as uncomfortable as it is. If you want community. Awesome. I love that. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? When it's working, <laughs> that <laughs> magic moment, when that the moment of discovery, yeah. I would think when, when I'm sitting down and I find my protagonist's voice clicks or I have a stroke of inspiration, that moment in the, when the pages open and something clicks and it works, that is the biggest joy of my life. It's like ultra dopamine just yes. smacking <laughs> us. Yes. What? Um, oh, I would love to ask you, can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? I would say conflict, as much conflict as you can put in conflict is your friend keeps things interesting. I feel the same way about conflict as I do about cheese. The more, the better. <laughs> Just sprinkle it all over. Um, and then dialogue tip. One of the best dialogue tips I ever got was to watch reality TV for how people really talk. Um, or if you're sitting in, I mean, I'm an eavesdropper, but some people might not feel comfortable admitting <laughs> But eavesdropping, going to a cafe, eavesdropping, find, hearing the cadence of how people truly speak. There's a lot of shows with great dialogue, but if you watch TV, film, if you even even reading some great dialogue, it might not be true to how people actually speak. Um, and then read, 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 read. If you want to be a great writer, you have to read as much as possible. You have Those to are my craft in- tips. In putting the words, I, I got to go back to the reality TV thing. That is genius. I have never heard anybody say it in seven years of doing the show and asking for craft tips. Um, and also now my reality TV watching has just been justified. Yes. Uh, you know, but I, I had already justified it. Like I, I don't, I haven't watched The Bachelor in a long time and I don't know if it's still good because I've been so busy with The Real Housewives but um, and Vanderpump Rules. But I used to justify Bachelor by, I just, and this was true. I'm not even justifying it. I just wanted to see women sit around and talk for real. Like just, I don't care about what happens to them. I care about what happens in the house, you know, and listening to them gave me a a window on how some people react to other people. Yes. I used to watch The Bachelor as well. And I think it's so fascinating, the the tension and the stakes that the producers create. Uh, There's a lot of people, you know, want to look down on reality TV, but I think there's a lot of value in reality TV aside from even just the pure entertainment value of it. Just it's, you know, fascinating examination of of human behavior within this 
the little world. So I, I always think there's a lot of value from reality TV. It got, and I, I think it's great for grief. I first got into it for grief. You know, somebody, I was going through a loss and somebody said, just turn on, I think it was America's next top model was my gateway drug. And it mattered to me so much because it was, they were having pain, of course, but it wasn't my pain. It was their own stress and, and it's, drama. It's, and yeah. it's like for top model or the bachelor, it's all these gorgeous women who are like 20 years old and they're just like, <laughs> you're going to be fine. <laughs> it's very like the stakes are high yes. for them and I feel for them yes. and you can have empathy. But um, I think it also helps. I think a lot about likable, unlikable characters. And to me, nobody is likable or unlikable. There's just, it's all subjective. I think reality TV is very interesting for that because there's always a villain and they try and create these narratives. And um, there's producers who come in and create the narratives. So and I think hey, as storytellers, if, would you would you agree that we can, I mean, I'm sure I don't know even a tenth of what's going on on the screen or a one hundredth, but I can sometimes see the edit. Like, yeah. oh, anybody could have been the villain in this one. And they're making Erica to be the villain today. Yes. You know, for for whatever you can, you can feel the edit. Yeah. Know, which is fascinating as storytellers. Yeah. So I, I that's in terms of, of craft, keeping your eyes open for craft and all all things and places and um, across mediums and across genres. I absolutely love that. Did you happen to watch Unreal? That it was no, on? I didn't. Cause I think it was on a channel I didn't have, but I heard it, good things. You it's might like enjoy it. Scene. Yeah. And writers sure. might enjoy it because it really is about that edit and about looking at revision in terms of storytelling from their perspective. I found it really a, a meta fascinating look at writing in itself. So I, I would recommend it. I'd recommend it to everybody. Um, that's fantastic. I'm so excited <laughs> to think about reality TV that way. What may I ask you is the kindest thing that anyone's done for you in your writing career? That's a hard question to answer because to have books out and to be able to write full-time, there's been so much kindness in my agent, Lucy Carson, who took a chance on me, my editor, Jessica Wade, um, who's there from the beginning, the writers who blurbed my first novel, The Return, um, anyone who has worked on my books in any capacity, like I'm so grateful and they're, they're all, it's all a kindness. Um, if I had to pick one thing, I would say my best friend is also a writer. Her name is Courtney Price and her debut novel, Welcome Home, Caroline Klein is coming out in April of 2024. And we've been pursuing our writing careers the entire time we've been friends, which has been 15 years. Oh, and at wow. some points, like she had an agent before me, she went on book submission before me and uh, that didn't work out the first time something fell through. And then I moved ahead and had a book published and to, and now she's looking at So we've just been at different stages at different times. And if we loved each other any less, I think 
the heartbreaks and challenging and challenges of pursuing our dreams at the same time might have driven us apart. But I think the kindest thing anyone has ever done for me is having Courtney continue to support me, be a huge emotional support. And um, I'm, we're fans of each other. And, you know, in college, we would dream about doing book events together. And now we've done those things. So um, just it's, it's hard in any friendship when you're in the same field to deal with. You could either, things could go either way. You could be jealous and have resentments, or you can be, have things that could move in that direction, make, Mm -hmm. forge the friendship, make it stronger. And um, I'm just very grateful to her and um, very grateful for our friendship. So, and I'm very excited for her novel to come out in April. What a beautiful thing to say. And when this podcast comes out, maybe you'll want to send it to her just so that she can hear the love and appreciation in your voice. That is that is so deep and so true and so lovely. Thank you for sharing that. What what is the kindest thing you've ever done for yourself as a writer? Um avoiding Goodreads, I guess. I think knowing knowing (laughs) knowing my boundaries. Um and focusing on the focusing on the good as much as I can. Um, I think that's creating boundaries as a, as a writer, I think is not something we think about, but even just for me knowing like I have a book to promote. So I'm on social media a lot. And then I'm like, no, this is making me feel bad. And just logging off and giving myself permission to just be like, I'm going to log off. (laughs) And I think that's important as writers. It's so easy to say and so hard to do and so necessary, I think, for most of us. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> what is the best book that you read recently and why did you love it? The Militia House by John Milas. Hmm. I haven't it, heard of that one. What's it about? It is about a group of is it why do I want to say I want to say Marines. I could be misremembering group of soldiers in Afghanistan I believe 2008 gosh I should have looked this before um but they their job is to take things off of helicopters and then load up the helicopters that's why they're there and there's an old militia house near the base that is rumored to be haunted and it's it's basically a horror novel about war and it's just captivating start to finish it's very honest it's there's moments that are scary like very very scary but there's like knockout sentences there's moments of of humor the pace is great it's a masterclass in building tension. Um, I absolutely loved it. And I, I didn't, when I picked it up, I, Paul Tremblay, who's an author I really admire, tweeted about it. And so I trust Paul. I was like, I want So mm-hmm. I picked it up. And as soon as I read the like opening paragraph, I was just in. Um, it's the kind of book where like, it's weighty. Like you feel the weight of 
like, oh, this is, this is good art. This is like Ooh. special. Um, so I, I'll think about that book forever and I, I highly recommend it. That's what a, what a testimony. Uh, I'll think about that book forever. That is yeah. gorgeous. We all want people to say that about our books. <laughs> Speaking of our books, could you please tell us about your most recent release? So my most recent release is Black Sheep. It's about a cynical 20-something who left her staunchly religious family and community when she was 18 and uh, is now returning for the wedding of her cousin um, under curious circumstances. And her homecoming does not go as expected. (laughs) That is a very... Great logline, leaving us on the edge of our seats. Where can we find you out there? So I am on TikTok, Instagram, and threads at Rachel Harrison's Ghost. My website is rachel-harrison.com. Also on Blue Sky, I think just as Rachel Harrison. Um, But yeah, you can find me there. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. This was a delightful discussion. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was lovely to chat. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.